And if you want to get past imposter syndrome, by the way, the best way to do that is to teach somebody something that you've already done. What's up, Win Monday Nation? Paul Epstein here, and I couldn't be more fired up for today's conversation. Winning Monday, it's for the separators, those of us committed to get 1% better one day, one decision, one action at a time. And you know the drill, the key to it all, it's unshakable confidence. Today's guest is going to deliver exactly that, a roadmap toward confidence and a masterclass on this beautiful blend of success and happiness, but you might actually have to go through hell to get there. So I'll let her explain. Her name is Laura Gassner Auding, and a little bit about, uh, she also goes by LGO, so you might see a lot of LGO out there. But as long as we're in the business of acronyms, you might have seen her on Good Morning America, maybe the Today Show, perhaps on Harvard Business Review. She's blushing right now in case you're not on video. So, okay, Oprah Daily, and now she's on the Win Monday podcast. I don't know if that's an upgrade or a downgrade. Who knows? Who cares? Fact is, she's been on all of those amazing platforms. But by background, in the executive search world, so those of you that might be pondering something in the career space, today could be one of those conversations that makes a shift. And executive coaching, a TED talk that went viral, I think now over a million views. Again, no big deal. And her new book, Wonder Hell, already a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Laura, how did I do? How do you feel right now? Like, that's a lot. It's a lot. You know, it's funny. I gave a talk in Kansas City in August and my best friend from college lives there and she came to watch the talk and she was sitting front row center and I was, you know, backstage stays left and I could see her. And as they were announcing my bio and they were telling all these things, she like looked at me and she like mouthed, who is that? I was like, I know. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's very funny. It, this is the funny thing about confidence, right? That yeah, your bio and what you've done and how you read often feel so different than how we actually feel inside, right? And that's where all this imposter syndrome stuff comes from because the outside world sees us as somebody and inside for like, I don't, I'm just waiting for them to realize that I don't know what on earth I'm doing. <laughs> That's all right. We're going to come back to imposter syndrome, but I just want to ask you because it's baked into what we will soon know to be wonder hell. So I just had this obvious first question on behalf of the Win Monday Nation here. What the hell does wonder hell mean? (laughs) Talk to us about wonder hell. Win Monday Nation, have you ever had an experience where you achieved something you didn't know was possible. You you succeeded at something you didn't even quite know you could pull off. And you're like, that was amazing. It was humbling. It was incredible. It was wonderful. And in that moment, you saw a version of yourself, a potential that you didn't even know was possible. You're like, I did this thing. Maybe I could do that thing. The work you did opened more doors than you ever thought possible. And through those doors, you saw even more doors. And if you're anything like me, in that moment, you were like, I think I want to know what's behind those doors. I think I want more. So you feel this potential. It becomes a burden that sits on your shoulders and it fills you with stress and anxiety and uncertainty and exhaustion and envy and burnout, imposter syndrome, all of those things. So it's wonderful, but it's also kind of hell. It's wonder hell. Hmm. Okay. So I'm very intrigued. Color me intrigued. 
Let's go to the end of this story and maybe not even your personal story, but if I'm listening in trying to apply this to my life and you just described some things that sound very attractive, I want them. And then you also gave me a gauntlet of things I don't want. Like I don't want to be stressed or anxious or get burned out or all these other things. So let me fast forward to the end of this. And what if I just want to challenge you and ask you, is it worth it? Is it worth going to wonder hell? It's worth going to wonder hell if you're going to wonder hell for something you actually care about. So Mm. everyone listening to this podcast knows that you can't be insatiably hungry for someone else's goals. But the problem is when we're 15, 16, 17 years old, somebody says, pick a path, pick a major, pick a college, pick a career, pick a trade, pick a job. And you go, okay. But what you don't have when you're 15, 16, 17 years old is a frontal lobe, like the actual part of your brain that dictates good logical decision-making. So we're asked to make a decision about the rest of our lives before we literally are capable of making good decisions. And so at some point at 25, 35, 45, 55, we wake up and we're like, okay, I did all that work and I had the success and I also have the stress. And is this really what I want? And if what you're pursuing is somebody else's version of success, then the answer is no, it's not worth all of it. But if you're pursuing your own, then actually the stress and the uncertainty, the anxiety and the envy and all those things are actually not crappy feelings. They're actually signs that we're on the right track because we're living in that discomfort that we know is the only path to growth. So it really comes down to whether you're pursuing a version of success that you care about or a version of success that somebody else cares about. I love it. Okay. So this is kind of that classic dichotomy of, are you living on your terms or somebody else's terms? And no judgment if you fall in the latter category, I think, especially at an earlier age or early stage of a career. Yeah. Welcome to the club. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like it's kind of the table stage, right? Yeah. But, but what about the other side? Okay. So what if I say, all right, Laura, you've convinced me I'm not on the track that I want to be on and, and put your career coaching cap on because you've coached countless executives and leaders. So you were talking to the perfect, perfect audience here. But if I say, I don't think I'm climbing the right ladder. I want to find a new ladder. I want to do it on my terms, but I feel stuck. Like, how do I find the right ladder? What are the tactical steps that I can go from the wrong ladder to the right ladder? So I think we have to first define what success means for us. And so in my last book, Limitless, and I, it's sort of the, yeah. the preamble to Wonder Hell, I talk about it a little bit in the beginning of Wonder Hell. What I talk about is how in 20 years of executive search, I was hired by my clients to call the most successful people in the world. Like I was calling bold-faced people with bold-faced names, bold-faced organizations, bold-faced titles. And it sounds like a hard job. I was calling them because of all the success, but despite all the success, they weren't very happy, which is why they all called me back. And what I realized was that the definition of success as handed to you by someone else is never going to do it. But really it's this combination of four things that I call consonants. So alignment, flow, it's calling. What is this thing you want to get up to do? Are you building a business you care about? Are you serving a leader who inspires you? Are you solving a problem that vexes you? Are you building a business that excites you? What is your calling in the world? Number two, are you connected to it? Do you have connection? Does the stuff in your inbox, on your calendar, on your to-do list, 
does doing that stuff connect to that calling that you just mentioned? So, you know, I passed this billboard on the street the other day that said something like, how hard are you working to achieve someone else's goals? And I was like, yes, exactly. Like, how hard are you working to build somebody else's dreams? If all the things in your inbox, your to-do list, your calendar are helping build somebody else's dreams, they're not helping build yours, right? So does the work connect to that calling? Number three is contribution. Contribution is really all about us. So how does this work, this brand, this company, this business, this paycheck, how does it allow you to live the kind of life you want to live, the lifestyle that you want? Does it allow you to manifest your values on a daily basis? Does it contribute to you being more of the person you want to be in the world? And then last is control. So how much personal agency do you have over what assignments uh, you were given, what teams that you're on, how many prospects you get, how much your hustle allows you to you know, make that money? How much can you control how much your work connects to that calling and how much it contributes to your life? And the thing is, each one of us at every age and at every life stage need and want different amounts of these. So when I was 22 years old, dropping out of law school and joining a presidential campaign, I was inspired by the leader. I didn't care that I was being sent to Poughkeepsie one day and Little Rock the next and Chicago the day after that. The control didn't matter to me, but it was contributing to my life in a way that I was able to manifest my values every day. Now I'm 52 years old. I'm a princess. I am not going to get on a plane unless my clients are paying me money and I'm staying in a four-star <laughs> hotel. And I'm not shy about that, right? Like that, we all change as we grow. But what happens is when you're asked at 15, 16, 17 years old to make this decision, nobody ever says, first of all, you need to prioritize not what makes a good job good. How much are they paying you? Am I inspired by the leader? What's the, you know, what's the, the geography? But like, what makes a good job good for you? And then nobody says, oh, and by the way, you're going to change throughout your life. So I think the first thing people have to do is say, what actually brings me joy? What is my definition of success? And does doing this thing that I'm doing today get me more of that or less of that? So cool. To win Monday and beyond, we all know that confidence is the Annie to play. And I want to help. So if you haven't already, head over to my website and take your very own confidence quiz and walk away knowing one to a hundred where your confidence stands. You'll also receive a free guide to the 12 keys of building unshakable confidence. You can find it at paulepsteinspeaks.com backslash confidence dash quiz or just head over to paulepsteinspeaks.com and you'll find confidence quiz in the main nav bar. With that, let's get back into the conversation. So we double click on each one of those four. So now let's fast forward and say, all right, now I found my thing. I asked myself a lot of those introspective questions. I feel like I'm in a good spot. I want to be in a great spot. So now I'm metaphorically, I am climbing the, the right ladder. When you were on Good Morning America, I heard you with Robin Roberts, and she had this line that maybe it's a common line, but it was actually a new one for me. And you were talking about growth. And she said, new levels equals new devils. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, that's pretty clever. That's cool. Again, it was a first for me. And so let's say somebody listening in right now from our Win Monday Nation, they're achieving those new levels and they're being introduced to these new devils. And now going back to something you've said a couple of times in our conversation so far, maybe now imposter syndrome yes. starts to kick in. So how do we tackle that? 
Yes. So I would encourage anybody who's listening to go watch that Good Morning America segment, because here's what I'm going to tell you behind the scenes. When you go on live national TV, it is a four minute segment. If you're lucky, it's four minutes, right? And it is very carefully scripted. And you spend weeks making sure that you have every single line exactly right because the cry on behind you is going to come up with exactly the words you say as they say it. And then the producers look amazing. <laughs> but here's what happens. You practice and you practice and you practice and you're in the green room, you're practicing with the producer. And then right before you go on, they go, okay, just remember it's live national TV and Robin's going to do whatever Robin wants to do. Good luck. And she sends you out there for those first <laughs> 20 seconds are completely off script and the last minute are completely off script. So if you ever felt like an imposter in your life, go watch me on that show <laughs> and know that there is a moment where Robin says, you know, I love your writing. And I was like, okay. And she goes, and you know, I love you. And I was like, okay. And at the end of it, I turned to my son who was with me as we're walking out of the studio. And I was like, okay, I think she said she loved my writing. And he goes, she did. And I'm like, and I think she said she loved me. And he said, she did. And I'm like, and I think I said, I love you too. <laughs> you like, so did. You yeah, so did. You did. <laughs> so she actually did say every new level brings a new devil, which I actually wrote in the book, which is in that moment, it was not in the script. And I was like, oh my God, she actually read it, right? That was the moment where I was like, oh no, I have to get this right. So here's what happens. Every time we achieve something we haven't achieved before, we find ourselves in a room we've never been in before. And then we think we're imposters because we're like, I didn't expect mm -hmm. to be here. People are going to find out. But it turns out that everybody else in that room also didn't expect to be there either. So if we remember that everybody else in there has imposter syndrome. Now I talk on, the, on Good Morning America about this looking glass theory where we're not who we think we are and we're not who we think uh, it's and we're not who others think we are. We're who we think others think we are, right? So I'll say that again. We're not who we think we are. Say it again. We're not who others think we are. We're who we think others think we are. So when we walk into a room, we look around and we go, okay, all these other people have been here and I'm walking in and they're going to find me out. They must know I'm a fraud. We are assigning a definition of ourselves to them that they haven't necessarily given to us. And you know why? Because they're sitting there also going, ooh, she's new here. She must belong. She's going to realize that I don't belong here, right? And so we have this thing called pluralistic ignorance, where if I walk into a room and I feel like I don't belong, I puff up my chest and I try to act all brave. And then, Paul, you see me and you're like, well, LGO seems like she knows what she's doing. I better puff up my chest and <laughs> act all brave. And then I see you and I'm like, well, oh, no, Paul knows what he's doing. And what do I do in return? vicious cycle and I'm puffed up and neither one of us actually have a conversation. And what happens in these moments is if I don't pull you aside and say, Hey, Paul, like we did over tacos in LA a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Paul, I don't know what on earth I'm doing. I'm figuring this out as I go along. You were like, same, let's figure it out together. <laughs> and in the last few months, we've been able to have great conversations about book publishing, about speaking, about the work that we're doing because we admit it to each other. And what happens is that when we fake it till we make it, we actually miss all of the great relationships and the knowledge and the network and the learning that can come out of actually just saying, you know what? I don't know, but I knew enough to get me to this point. And everything that got me to here isn't going to get me to there. Everything I did to get myself to here is the foundation on which I build what gets me to there. So instead of saying, oh my God, I haven't been here before, we have to be like, oh my God, I haven't been here before. Amazing. And like pat ourselves on the back for a job well done. So what I'm hearing, a couple tactics that we can all apply. One, there's the mindset shift. Instead of uncharted waters, creating that fear or that stress or that anxiety, the same circumstance could create excitement. 
Yes, that's just a mindset shift. It's the same circumstance, but it's a mindset shift. Another thing that you said was, uh, and you were given a great example about the fake it till you make it camp and how we're puffing up our chest. I kind of would relate that to social media. Like, so we're always showing the top 0.1% and the 0.1% is filtered. Yes. And so you're <laughs> right. And we think, oh, well, he or she is doing this and those look like exotic trees and I'm going to go chase this pina colada. And you're like, dude, if you only knew. Yeah. Right. If you only knew like the slick back bro standing in front of the private jet heading off to Silicon Valley to ink his next deal is standing in front of a, you know, a green screen and he's heading down to, you know, like he's heading down to the local farmer's market because he's hoping he can sell some of the tomatoes he pulled out of his backyard. Like awesome. Incredible. I love fresh tomatoes, but like that ain't an $8 billion deal, my friend. And by the way, real people have pores. So, you know, all of these like ridiculous filters that we see, like, and here's what happens. We end up up judging our bloopers by everybody else's highlight reel. And that just makes us feel crappy. It makes us feel like we're not good enough and we're not there. And it's all because we're like handed these one size fits all crush it, you know, uh, rise and grind 10 X lean in definitions of success. And so of course it feels like organ failing rejection. Like it just doesn't feel good because it's somebody else's idea. So, you know, in the end, I think we have to remind ourselves that, you know, we're so afraid to not be perfect and we're so afraid to fail, but in every one of our moments of growth, it's come out of failure. Like none of us go to a cocktail party and talk about like the greatest thing I ever did. Cause you'd never get invited to another cocktail party. You'd be a narcissistic blowhard, but we talk about the flops and the failures and the face plants, because that's where the fun is. That's where the story is. That's where the growth and the evolution and the iteration and the innovation. And if we don't have those moments, we can't go confidently into the next thing because we haven't had the bruise. We don't know that we can pick ourselves up from the failure. We have to have the flops in order to do it. And, you know, by the way, it's not this like follow your passion nonsense, right? Because like follow your passion, just as, as soon as you find your passion, all you got to do is follow it. Everything will be perfect, right? You think like I'm not winning Monday because I haven't found my passion yet. I'll just keep searching. But the truth is that if you find something about which you are passionate, and I fully believe we should all be passionate about our work, that passion is going to pick you up and throw you down and gut you and maybe gut your bank account a little bit in the pursuit of it. So it's about the falling down and getting up and falling down and getting up and perfecting that passion. So it's not following your passion, it's investing in your passion. How do you do that? You do that by listening to podcasts like this and reading books like ours and you know going to conferences with like-minded individuals. So we have to make sure that when we show up at those things, we show up open. And the only way to show up open is to not pretend to be perfect. Totally. And I want to connect some dots here because your analogy of, and we're going to come back in a second, I'm going to ask you about a big flop or face plant. But before we get there, you talked about passion and I agree whether passion, purpose, they get interchanged sometimes, even though clearly they mean different things, but they're in the same family. To me, those are the fuel of resilience. So like it's passion and purpose are not just blue skies, inspiration, feel good in moments they can be, but they're also the reason you're going to get up off the mat. Yes. Because if I don't care, what's my motivation to get up? I just stay down or I let myself get kicked while I'm down. I'm feeling down versus like, dude, I'm going to stay in the Yes. Because I care, because I have passion, because I feel there's greater purpose. So for you, if failures can be not only the catalyst for growth, but there's all, they're also the greatest teachers, the greatest insights, the greatest lessons. Give us your 
biggest and best, the most impactful flop or face plant that has molded you the most? Oh gosh, that's such a hard question because there've been so many. Here's what I will say. I will tell you that I sat down once with a business coach who I wanted to impress. Like he was Jack Welch, a GE's business coach back when like everyone thought Jack Welch knew how to do everything, right? Before they were like, maybe that's a little (laughs) toxic and cruel, but like way back when. And I was like, here are all of my really impressive papers, right? Here's the PL and here's the marketing plan and here's the, the prospectus and here's all our strategic plan. And he like took all the papers and pushed them aside. And he was just like, yeah, but what are you doing tomorrow? I was like, what are you talking about? I'm all these amazing things. And he's like, yeah, and how do you pay yourself? And I was like, well, no, I like, I, you know, whatever's left over, I pay myself because I'm running this business. He's like, and he just, he kept asking me question after question. And I didn't have answers. I didn't have good answers because I was so busy trying to put together the window dressing that I forgot like what was actually in the store. You know, like I forgot the real stuff. Yeah. And he basically like sent me home with my tail between my legs. And he, in not so many words, was like, don't come back to me till you're a grown up. Like it was really embarrassing. And it was embarrassing not just because I had gotten the meeting. It was embarrassing because I got the meeting because he was doing a favor for a friend of his who happened to be a mentor of mine. So I not only embarrassed myself, I embarrassed my mentor, right? It was not a good moment. And so I knew that I could not come back to him until I really was able to come back to him, like a real like grown up business lady. And it took probably... I would say eight weeks to put together everything I needed to put together to get to him and probably another four weeks to get the courage to call him back. And when I did, and I sat down with that meeting, he asked me the same questions and I gave him the answers and he was like, great, now we can talk. And I was like, okay. And he was my business coach for 10 years. And he never, by the way, charged me a dime. He was like, you're interesting. I'm going to help you do that. He's like, cause I can tell that you cared. I can tell that you're in it. And he just, he just wanted to see me do the work. He didn't want to see me be, I don't know, distracted by all the things that people like the look good goals, like the show goals that go on the walls and not actually understanding where the highest and best use of my time was, what I really wanted to get out of it, what I considered to be important. And, and he, he made me, he made me do the work in a way that really made me question whether I was in the work or not before I could actually answer it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So you just shared a story about a coach. Yes. You are also known to be one of the top executive coaches in the world. So my question on behalf of Win Monday Nation is, does everybody need a coach? And if so, what kind of coach? In our sort of sidecar with us at any given time. One should be an aspirational, somebody who you want to be when you grow up, right? You want to be them. uh, You look up to them. You think they're amazing. You want to follow them. You want to learn from them. You want to grow with them. The second should be a peer. And the peer is somebody who is sort of in the foxhole with you. They're the ones that you celebrate with, you complain to, you, 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 uh, you learn from, they learn from you, but they're sort of in there with you. And then there's a mentee. And I think we spend so much time trying to find coaches that will teach us that I think we forget sometimes that we're going to learn just as much from our peers and they're going to bring us along. They're going to refer us out. They're going to bring business to us. We definitely forget about the mentees. And if you want to get past imposter syndrome, by the way, the best way to do that is to teach somebody something that you've already done. Mm. Because once you're teaching somebody something, you're like, you know, I actually do know something after all. The other thing that I'll say about coaches is if you are hiring a coach, make sure you hire a coach who has been down the road that you're looking to travel. 
I always yes. joke around. I want to get, I want to get t-shirts printed that say, before you tell me what to do, show me what you've done on the back. It's like, hashtag, give me your P and L. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're going to hire somebody to coach you, make sure that even if they haven't done it themselves, they've walked other people down the path. Like talk to people about track record because past is prologue and you don't want to waste money on somebody who is learning the lessons, you know, in your bank account. Yeah, totally, totally. And, and just to kind of provide a nice segue for us as well here is, I would argue it's not only the PL, it's not only the resume and the track record, but it's also the story that they've experienced. Like if to use your top of mind word right now, your place right now, wonder hell. If you haven't been through wonder hell, then don't coach me on how to get through wonder hell, right? Like when people talk to me about playing offense, I'm like, yo, dude, you know why I coach playing offense? A, I used to play defense and I'm willing to be vulnerable enough to share that. And B, like there's this mastery of this offensive mindset and that's, I'm willing to fall on the sword for it. And that's why it's effective as a coaching tool. So here's where I want to kick it back to you though. If there are some elements here of wonder health, if I was to say, what are the payoffs? I'll give you a handful. Sustainable ambition. You're going to slay your imposter syndrome. So win Monday, just listen to these. Sustainable ambition, slaying imposter syndrome, banishing doubts, managing burnout, making way for limitless potential. Maybe the one that we haven't really double-clicked on just yet is managing burnout. It's been a massive thing, massive it's always been a thing, but I feel like in the last couple of years, it's become a bigger thing. So if somebody listening in is navigating this really, really muddy water of burnout, what's the first step? What's the process? How do they get through this muddy water and rise above it? So let me give you the best piece of personal and professional advice I was ever given in my life. And it's this, you're just not that important. Mm. At the moment I was given this advice, my business was a few years old. My family was a few years old. I was involved in a number of different community boards. I was a few years into that. So I was like, I am that important. I'm that important to all of the business and my family and the community. And what this woman said to me, and she was this, you know, 75 year old woman who had sold a business for a bajillion dollars. And she was this like old, like, you know, New York Jewish lady. And she was just like, she was like my Jewish grandma, right? Like she talked to me, like my Jewish grandma talks to me. She was like, you know, there was a time when I was kind of a big deal. This is the way she would tell me the story. She's like, it's like, and even then this is what I did. And she was like, you're just not that important. And what she said to me is, listen, if you think you're that important to all the things you're doing, you're wrong. So you pick up your kids from school a couple of days a week. Cause you know, you want to like be a present mom. So you don't always want the babysitter pick them up or, you know, you want to like be around, but then you take them to the park and you've got the cell phone in your hand and you're still in your office, right? Well, your kids know you're not there. The office knows you're not really focused. So you're not really with either one of them. And if you can't leave your phone in the car for an hour a day and take your kids out to ice cream and be a present parent, you're kind of a micromanager or the people in your business don't really care enough to actually keep the ball moving forward when you're not there. So you got problems. And, you know, so she was sort of, she sort of broke down every part of my life. She was like, if you're on a community board and nobody else is pushing the idea forward, if you're not there, then that thing's going to lose at the end of the day, you're not going to get the votes, right? Like every part of my life, she was like, if you were the only one who cares about it, it's not going to work. There are, however, places where you are that important. You need to figure out the places where you are that important. What is the thing that only you can do? So when you're running out of school and the head of the PTA is like, hey, Laura, we just lost the head of the bake sale. Can you chair the bake sale tomorrow? And you were like, oh, well, I was going to take my kids to the park and leave my phone in the trunk, right? 
And suddenly they're like, oh, but you have to do this. You think, oh, well, that's quality time with my kids. It's not quality time with your kids because you're annoyed, you're yelling, you're screaming, you're baking a whole bunch of crap you don't care about. And then you get there and your kids don't even see you doing the work. You're not that important to the bake sale. You are that important to your kids. And I think a lot of times we burn out because we're spending so much time not being too busy, but doing too busy about the things that don't really matter. Only I can be present with my kids at the park for that hour, but a lot of other people can share the bake sale. So we have to figure out where it is where we are that important and only do those things and delegate everything else. So in our businesses, in our communities, in our families, where are we that important? And remember that if you're doing a bunch of things where you aren't that important, maybe you're helping, but you're probably only helping your egos need to be needed. We have to figure out where we're actually not busy, but impactful. Yeah, no, I, I love where you're bringing us because impact, making a difference, leaving people in places better than you found them. And it starts with ourselves. Like every sure. single day you should be, I got to be better tomorrow than I am today. I'm on a mission to be better today than I was yesterday. And that's really what aligns our entire Win Monday Nation here. Love the spirit of Win Monday? Then join the Win Monday community, an elite personal and professional development tribe of like-minded and like-hearted people, just like you and I, ready to attack the week and level up. To learn more, you can find it all at paulepsteinspeaks.com backslash win dash Monday, or just head to paulepsteinspeaks.com and you'll find Win Monday community in the main nav bar. Let's get back to the show. So before our closing home stretch questions here, where can folks tap into the latest work that you've been doing, find you, follow you, just guide Win Monday Nation wherever you'd like for us to roll? Yeah. So as you mentioned, my name is Laura Gassner-Odding. All my friends call me LGO. So Win Monday, we're all friends now. I am on all the socials at Hey, Hey LGO. And you can find everything about me and the book at uh, wonderhell.com. And of course, the book's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Bookshop, anywhere fine books are sold. Mm, Love it. So speaking of books, you mentioned how you and I linked up a few months back at a really good Mexican spot in, uh, I think it was Santa Monica. So we were chowing down there. And you gave me some really awesome, candid feedback because we we were talking about each other's books and speaking and all this wonderful stuff. Oh my God. I just had a margarita. So I hope it was. No, it was no, no, okay. no, 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 no. You're good. <laughs> I'd already You're gotten good. off stage. I did my speech. I had a margarita. And then I gave you advice. <laughs> <laughs> that means it was a great day. No, okay. but it was radical candor. It was radical candor. And uh, just to be fully vulnerable and transparent, because I don't mind sharing this, is Laura challenged me and said, hey, I love the title of your book, Better Decisions Faster. It's freaking awesome. But your subtitle, it's not working. I need an explanation. I don't get it. And I was like, okay. You know, because we we all know as part of Win Monday, if you were to go to my website, you'll see the head, heart, hands equation. And sure, it's simple. It makes sense. But it does need a little bit of an explanation. And the challenge from Laura was it shouldn't need an explanation. If I'm running through an airport deciding what book to pick up, I don't want to think that hard on what is the promise you're giving me as the reader. So now the subtitle, thanks to Laura, unshakable confidence when you need it most. So that's going to be our next piece, Laura, for everybody listening in. 
How do we build unshakable confidence when we need it most? Okay, this is actually easier than we think. So we think that confidence, like people are just born confident. They're not. Confidence comes from competence. So you don't wake up one day and say, I'm going to run a marathon. You wake up one day and you learn how to run a mile. And then after the mile, you're like, if I string three of those together, I could do a 5K. And then you do a 5K and you're like, if I string two of those together, I could do a 10K and on and on until one day you're like, you know, I live in Boston. Maybe I should run 26.2. I may know this from personal experience. So if you wake up one day when you're 39 years old, as I did, and you're like, I'm going to run a marathon, you're never going to do it. How do you have the confidence to dream that? You don't dream it so you can do it. You do it. So you can dream it, right? So you run one, then you run three, then you run six, then you run 26.2. Confidence comes from competence. So what I said earlier about everything you did up until now isn't going to get you to where you want to get to, but it's not that you don't know how to do the next thing. You just don't know how to do the next thing yet. So we have to think to ourselves, what are the things that I did that got me to this point? Who am I when I am at my best? What clothes am I wearing? Who am I talking to? What words am I using? What energy do I have? Who am I surrounding myself with? What is the topic area? Like, why am I excited? Why does it bring me joy? That version of yourself, when you can walk through walls and you can jump over fire, that's your fundamental best version of yourself. So if we just remember who that person is and write that stuff down on the lock screen of our phone or on our, you know, our car rear view mirror on our bathroom mirror, and we remind ourselves of that person every single day, we can start living into that person every single day so that we become that person in our muscle memory, because that confidence comes from reminding ourselves of our competence. Mm, so good. And that is going to be a mic drop. Those are the parting words. Cause look where you just brought us to win one day, one decision, one action at a time. If we need to attack each day with unshakable confidence, what Laura just shared with our entire nation here is that confidence comes from competence. And so instead of that forward look of thinking about what you have not done or have yet to do, do an audit. And I think you'll be super stoked at how much you've accomplished, but we just aren't intentional enough to take that look in the rear view mirror and be like, what are the top five things I did this past week, this past month, this past year? And if you keep on going further back and making the list longer, that is a confidence boost. It's confidence sustainment. And it's driven by our competence. And that's where Laura leaves us. So from the bottom of our hearts, LGO, thank you. You're freaking awesome. We'd love to have you back at some point, maybe after book three. Who knows? Who knows? I'm not just predicting your future. But right now, let's enjoy enjoy book two. But honestly, thank you for helping us level up and win Monday. Thank you. This was so much fun. Always fun to talk to you, Paul. And next time again over tacos and margaritas. Yes. Yes. All right. Signing off, Win Monday. Another fire episode of the Win Monday podcast is in the books. If you gain value from today's conversation, don't forget to subscribe and share it as we grow our Win Monday nation together. Until the next time, let the rest of the world fantasize about Friday. You and I, we choose to win Monday. Monday.